Welcome back to Rogue Opinions, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jimmy Baxter, and uh, we're going to do one of those uh, one of those fun little uh, most-of-the-time drunk pay-per-view reviews for the WWE side of things. And as always, Nathan Greenaway is joining me. Nathan, how are you? Hey, hey, hey. I'm very good. Thank you. How are you, Jimmy? I'm doing all right. You know, a rough day, but uh, I'm here to talk about an, a rough pay-per-view. Um, and... Um, just like on the kickoff show 20 minutes before the show started, we've drafted in our very own Ali versus Orton. Scott McLeod, welcome, buddy. Coming in there from out of nowhere. From out of nowhere. The joke sniper himself is here. Um, so, yeah, guys. Don't, don't, don't shake his hand. Oh, no. no, And don't let him get drunk and live stream gaming. Um, <laughs> <laughs> less said about that, the better. Um so, guys, you know, uh, we're, we're going to talk about what happened last night live from Sacramento, California, in the Golden One Center. They hosted WWE Hell in a Cell 2019, a pay-per-view that only had four matches announced up until the early afternoon uh, U.S. time. And then by the time the show started, we were staring down the barrel of nine matches, including the pre-show. Um, yeah, so, I mean, overall, like... Uh, what did you uh, What did you guys think, you know, going into the show during the week? Was it weird to only have so little matches announced? Yeah, yeah. I think it, it was, but it was also kind of understandable because they had Premier Week, and mm-hmm. it kind of just felt like this was the show, the show they still had to do after they'd done everything else. Yeah. Uh, I also like I like the difference of because usually we know we're going to get like nine or ten matches, but this time we only knew we were getting four, so everyone was like, "Oh, what else are we going to get on the show?" And it was kind of exciting. And then they just dumped it all on us in one tweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. Like, I remember, I think when they did that segment on Raw where they confronted the big like five man match, five on five match for Crown Jewel, which I'm assuming will be the main event. But like, uh, Bert Lurie just back to like, right, we've got Crown Jewel set, and they realized, shit, we've got one of these on Sunday, haven't we? <laughs> and then it's simply just been scrambling since. And looking back at the show, I, I would have preferred if they just stick with the four matches that they said they were going to give us, we might be looking at back at us a bit more favorably. I see. I if they If they had gone into this and they hadn't announced anything else, I almost sort of feel like the crowd might have turned on it just for, like, only having four matches. Especially with what, like how the main event broke down, and because I, I said to you guys uh, yesterday in the uh, the group chat that they were sort of like blowing their load kind of early with like some of the matches, and uh, this is definitely a tale of like different shows almost as we go through it. Yeah, I think they they had a bit of a task because no, the fiend was obviously going to be the main event, and. They knew anything that came right before that was going to be kind of the dead spot because everyone was just going to be hyped because they were going to get to see The Fiend. So it was kind of one of the things where no matter what order they put things in, everyone was there for one reason. Well, maybe two reasons because Becky and Sasha as well, but keep those two really far apart and it's kind of like the rest of you guys just kind of have to deal with the fact the crowd aren't necessarily there to see you. Good luck. Yeah, and I, this uh, this the show was definitely interesting, um, and we're gonna get into it. Uh, we're gonna try and uh, suss out our thoughts because uh, I'm not even sure if I've uh, fully recovered from some of the things that went down on this show. 
Um, but uh, what do you guys say? You just want to get into it? Yeah. All righty. Let's go. So during the kickoff show, um, I'm, you know, we had a match uh, about halfway through the show. It was Natalia taking on Lacey Evans once again. Uh, and this match would go nine and a half minutes. Um, I don't know. It, it was a match. It happened. Uh, these guys have been re- these these ladies have been wrestling a lot lately, and uh, they're going to wrestle one more time tomorrow night in the last woman standing match. Um, almost sort of feels like a placeholder to me a little bit, just until like the draft really happens and they start really shaking out where they're going to go for the next six months. But uh, because we all know where Nathan stands on this, I'm going to go to Scott first. Scott, what did you think of uh, the pre-show match here, Lacey Evans and Natalia? Yeah, I'm not going to lie about my thoughts on this match, so, because I didn't watch it. Because, <laughs> because I was too busy preparing food for when the main show started. And really, given the fact that they're announced another match, we had stipulation added to it for the Raw. Um, it doesn't look like early missed anything. It's, like you said, it's probably just a, a stopgap feud, so... If I had to rate it, I'd just compare it to any sort of art house film that I haven't seen that I'm sure is good. And you know that one insufferable friend who won't stop going on about it. And we all know who that is. And But you're like, I just don't want to watch it. Everybody's oh, got so one. You would, so you would give it like Scott Pilgrim versus the world? Because everyone raves about that film, but no one went to fucking see it. Yeah, absolutely bombed. What food were you preparing? I was I was making chicken. Uh, I had very chicken from Marks and Spencer's. Oh, Jimmy, that's a posh shop. That's like yeah. the upmarket supermarket. Oh, okay, okay. I've heard the name Marks and Spencer's before, but you know, we don't have them, so. Yeah, surprised oh, they put out. one in Glasgow. Don't say that. We've got plenty of them up here. <laughs> He's still working there for a while. Uh, is it is it weird? Is it weird going back into places that like you used to work at? And now you're just like, nah, 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 I'm just gonna get me some fucking chicken and you know, yeah. a couple beers, whatever. It's weird to see people who started after you that are still there, and just look at them like you knew nothing when I started here, and they look at you, think you're better than me. <laughs> Don't you? Don't you? He just walks in there, fucking just. You know, you know who you are. You thinking? You fucking? Who you looking at? You looking at me? I'm assuming that's did how that just, went. Did you just panic by the chicken because you went in there to judge people and then you got noticed? So you freaked out. You're like, shit, better grab something. You just happened to pick up some chicken. I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> that happened. All right, Nathan, um, I'm going to give you uh, precisely 60 seconds to gush about your lady. Um, Natalia versus Lacey Evans, go ahead. Uh, Yeah, this was actually a pretty damn good match. Lacey dominated pretty much the entire match, working over Natalia's shit legs and uh, used a ring ring apron inventively. She threw into the stairs off the apron to the ring. Uh, which is pretty brutal looking. Kept going for the sharpshooter, but fortunately she didn't get it because she falls over every time she does it. But yeah, but unfortunately my girl made a big mistake. She went for a really cool moonsault where she jumps up from the mid turn buckle to the top, spins around, does a moonsault. Missed it, sharpshooter, and then she, she knew she had the last woman standing match tonight, so she thought, tap out now. 
and focus on the big one tomorrow. Save uh, really. way. <laughs> yeah. Um, to quote Lance Storm, to be serious for a moment, this was uh, this was actually a lot better than I was expecting it to be, and it's probably because Natalia has been working with Lacey and has kind of pulled her level up. So, but uh, it was good. There's no botches in it. The closest thing to uh, like a botch, I guess, would be during that um, the moonsault. I think like Natalia just got up in a weird way because it almost looked like Lacey's like face bounced off of Natalia's back, and that it just looked real yeah. sore. Looked real sore. Yeah, it looked like Natalia didn't roll far enough yeah. out of the way, but it looked like she fucking she stood didn't. up. Like it was like, what are yeah. you doing? <laughs> like she but, doubled over, I mean, got on all fours, and sprung up, and it's like that's not how you get up during this. But it's a pretty good match. You don't feel bad for missing it now because you guys just painted just an excellent word picture of what the match was like. I mean, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty average, you know. Um, like they even showed the uh, the replay a little later on when they do that like random like show recap thing towards the end of the show. And they showed the fucking moonsault. I was like, I can't believe they're not going to cut away from this. Like, they're choosing to show this in slow motion. Oh, it wasn't that bad. It's just Natalia didn't roll quite far enough. But... I don't know. It was very, it was like one of the, like, one of two pretty, like, sore looking landings. And we'll get to the other one momentarily. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. I think the only annoying thing I'd say about it is when Lacey was doing, like, probably her most brutal offense when she was using the ring apron and smashing Natalia into the stairs and stuff. That's when they decided to cut away to show adverts for the show that you're already watching. Yeah. And, and it, it was just like, I was looking, cause obviously you have to put the match to the small screen cause they split the screens up. I was watching, I was like, this isn't Lacey's like biggest offense probably of this match. And it was, and you decided to cut away at that moment. Kevin Dunn. Dun 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 dun. Um, so yeah, that that was the uh, that was the the pre-show, and we move swiftly on to. Oh, what... sorry. I would uh, I would give it a prawn cocktail because it was an excellent starter. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm gonna go for diner mozzarella sticks. Fre- fresh and hot. Excellent, excellent starter. As you said, a, a, a good solid starter and heavy on the cheese. And I'm always I'm always good with extra cheese. Um, next up, the show starts properly now uh, where we have a Hell in a Cell match for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. Becky Lynch taking on Sasha Banks. And this match goes about 22 minutes. And it was a goddamn banger. This match was really awesome. They, they invented some stuff uh i said this to you guys uh last night that um after the usos and the new day sort of changed the game on hell in a cell matches and having their uh um their sort of uh like erector sets in the ring um it's just cool to see like what people build now they have that new camera angle with the uh the camera that's actually inside the cell um, that's like real close to the ring. It almost looked like I was watching like a GCW show or something at certain points, just because of how like close to the ring the hard cam was during the Hell in a Cell matches. Um, but then of course Becky Lynch ends up defeating Sasha Banks by submission with the disarm her uh, to retain Raw Women's Championship. Sasha stands up at the top of the 
rampway with tears in her eyes and looking like she might need a nap. Um, because everyone knows that's what they do. They lay on the ground and cry after they lose title matches. Um, so I'm going to go to Nathan. Nathan, um, tell me your thoughts on the Hell in a Cell Raw Women's Championship match with Lynch and Banks. Just quickly, just to appease Twitter. Uh, yes, the cell was red. <laughs> the cell was indeed red, yes. Again. Yeah, it, was, it was red, guys. It, it was also red last year, just so Twitter is aware. And it's probably uh, this... going to be red next year. Yeah, guys. Tweet about it now. Get it out of the way. Uh, this was excellent. This was really, really good. As you said, it definitely harkened back to um, to New Day and Usos in the way they started building. Them. I think they even did the thing with the kendo sticks in the corner at one point, but then they put a chair on top of it. And Becky then putting Sasha on top of the chair that's like elevated and then the big drop kick. That was just brutal. Uh, they were bringing out all sorts of ladders. I think also Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton last year. Uh, I don't think it was as it wasn't as brutal in a gross way as that match was, but just the way that they were using different things, bringing the ladders, the ladder out, and Sasha Banks double knees on the ladder as well. Uh, I bit on a couple of the near falls really badly. I think it was this Sasha Banks double. I don't know what she calls her double knees off the turnbuckle, but when was when she put Becky Lynch for a table. Meteora, by the way. Oh, is that what it's called? Okay, and then uh, yeah, a bit for that one. Uh, I was convinced Sasha Banks was winning. So I was surprised to see Becky Lynch get the win, but this was fantastic and easily better than Sasha Banks Charlotte Hell in a Cell from I think two years ago. Oh, for sure, a hundred, a hundred percent, hundred percent better. Because when when they start on the outside of the cell, I got a little bit worried again. I thought they're not going to do this again. They're not going to have like Sasha this time put Becky for a table and do a stretcher thing, but they didn't. And I thought it really played up into how personal the feud has become that they didn't even wait for the cell to come down. Uh, I thought Sasha Banks looked awesome uh, as well in defeat. I can only presume that maybe this means Sasha's going to go to SmackDown in the draft, but we'll talk about the draft after the show maybe. But this was really, really good. Probably the best match of the night, sadly, because it's the first one. Yeah, I mean, it's up there, I think, for for me as well. Um Scott, uh, what did you make of uh, the first Hell in a Cell match here tonight at Hell in a Cell 2019? I remember watching it, and at first, before they had the whole like jumping Becky before the match really officially started, the cell officially like fully lowered. I was a bit annoyed because that's kind of a small thing, but I like I don't like it when they're in the ring, cell lowers around them. I like the cell being already lowered, and then they walk through the door, and then it locks behind them, kind of like when Undertaker used to grab the door and kind of slam it shut. That's just a little thing with me, but then I, I get why they did it this way because they wanted to do the angle where they jumped, Sasha jumped Becky before the match, and Jean did the bit where she jammed her arms through the door. And I do think, though, for a minute, they did get people's hopes up because I think some people might have thought, are they going to go up on top of the cell? But you know, they wouldn't do that if they're having two cell matches on one show. You can't, have, you can't go up on top on your first cell match because then you set a unbelievable high standard that the second cell match wouldn't live up to unless both men just die in the match because other than that, you're not going to talk to people going up on top of the cell. But I actually like the red cell, like as Nathan said, some people on Twitter, but and that's only 60-40 in favour of, because red's my favourite colour. That's not the entire reason for 
Well, he'll eat the soup. You're supposed to be impartial. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed Polly. to be. <laughs> uh, I don't think have- Twitter wasn't angry that the cell was red. They were acting as if the cell had never been red before, or a lot of people were. Well, yeah, those people like, oh are God, dumb. The cell's red. Do you guys? Do you guys prefer? Quick, let me do a poll. Do you prefer the red <laughs> cell or the not red cell? You sarcastic bitch. <laughs> Oh, dude, there were so many of them. Like, that was such an uh, unreal so, on a scale from 1 to 16 trillion, how much did WWE shit the bed? Yeah. Quick, guys, it's Monday. Let's do a follow train. Do you like the red cell? <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. Like, back to the match, because I do agree that, like, I think this probably was back to the night, despite the fact it was the first match, and I do like that they were away doing some like some new like spots because they said I think this is like the 40th or 41st sale match ever. Like this match, like when they started doing the sales on, that's what they said on commentary. So I'm glad that when you when you got into this many sale matches, you can still find ways to pull out new spots like Sasha sticking the chair into the side of the, the cage and then Irish whipping Becky into and then the Meteora through the table. I did think the, uh, the like the, the disarmor then finished did kind of come out of nowhere just like suddenly she's in the the disarmor and she wasn't in it really for that long like it wasn't as quick a tap as when Lacey was in the the sharpshooter but it was like it just seemed weird because I was I did see I did think like I was I just convinced myself that Sasha was going to win because like the whole feud had been building to Sasha winning in my opinion because. I like the Clash of Champions match again. That Clash of Champions, they had matches of the night. They couldn't be contained. They brawled around the arena. They had some good stuff on TV and then it built to this. So it's nice to see a feud. I can't remember a feud in the last few years that's felt so perfectly to being inside a cell than these two. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's, it, a good, that's a good Yeah, it's, yeah, it's very, that is a very good point that... Uh, this one actually sort of felt like it needed to be in the cell, not just because it was October. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, both of you guys ended up uh, saying that uh, you guys thought this was match of the night. Personally, for me, I think my match of the night is the next contest that we have. Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns taking on Eric Rowan and Luke Harper in a tornado tag team match. Match goes about 16 minutes and 45 seconds. And these four guys beat the holy hell out of each other. And it was just, they fought around the ring. They fought in the ring. They went through tables. They broke pieces of the barricade off. Luke Harper did this like weird twitch thing with his hand a few times that just, I, I, there was just so much going on here that I just, I loved every single thing that they did with this. The, the, that ending spot where it was like the Superman punch into the running knee, into the spear uh, on Luke Harper, where uh, Roman and Brian got the win. And then uh, they ended up hugging it out after the match. I I actually, I really hope, and I, I tweeted this last night, that my main takeaway from this show, despite everything else that ends up happening on this show, and we will get to that, but my main takeaway is I want to see Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns continue to be a tag team for a little while. Like, why the fuck not? They're really good together. They seem to work really well off of one another. Um, th- right now, they're 5-0 and uh, for being a tag team over the, the course of their career. 
So, uh, yeah, I loved this. I loved everything about this match. I thought it was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, Scott, what did you think of uh, the tag match here? Before I move on to the tag match, I've got to say my rating for Sasha versus Becky. Fittingly, because Sasha uses the Meteora like double knees, I would give it the rating of the Meteora album, released in 2003, the second album by Linkin Park, because much like this women's sale matches, it's their second one and probably their best one. Definitely agree. Yeah. But as for the the tag match, uh, like you said that now now Brian and Rowan are 5-0, you seem to be more clued up in them by the kickoff and and the commentators who spent all night saying, but can they work as a team? They're two individuals. Can they work as a team? They've done it four times before, so yes. (laughs) Yes, they can. And like, is it just me? But when was this made a tornado tag? Because I remember them mentioning it on the kickoff. I don't remember hearing about it before then, or is this just me? No, that's yeah, they, that's just something they changed um, this match to. Like they did, they did it on Friday with uh, the lumberjack match. Like they didn't really necessarily announce that; they just sort of changed their minds and like threw a whole bunch of extra guys out there. Um, yeah, this tornado tag match thing just sort of came up. All right, like I did enjoy it. I did think that Slipboosting did allow it to be more chaotic, and they could do more. They had more freedom in this match, and that table spot with Roman running across the two tails to hit the spear on a Roan, and you can see in the replays why Roan was clutching his knee, because the like one of the side parts of the announce table, I don't think it fully collapsed when the table broke, so I think Roman hit his knee on it as he was coming down. You can only really see it clearly when you watch the, uh, the replays, but you can see Roman, as soon as he hits the spear, he's clutching his knee for a while. And I do agree with Jimmy on that closing sequence. As much as I actually thought the Harper and Rowan or Budgie Brothers 2.0, as a lot of people have called them, as much as I thought it was probably they should have won it, uh, I was happy to see Brian and Rowan win it because of that closing sequence. Yeah, I, I'm. I always I'm like preferring to call them the the Brutal Brothers because they <laughs> like to wear those like death metal T-shirts and stuff. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, Nathan, what'd you, uh, what did you think and what is your rating for this tag match? Yeah, I thought this was awesome. I think Tornado Tag was definitely the right call, even if it did come out of nowhere. Uh, even though all four of these guys have great tag team pedigree and could certainly put on a good normal tag match, it's just nice to see some chaos every now and then, isn't it? And that's what this was. Luke Harper, I just think this match particularly just going to kind of single him out show just how good that guy is absolutely how kind of of underutilized he is like the size of that man and the way how quickly he moves and how well he moves you often hear people particularly on kind of podcasts where it's like about the old like eric bischoff and stuff talk about how well like bam bam bigelow moved for the size of him i don't think luke harper's quite as big as bam bam but like um that guy can move, and when he does the dives and stuff, he's so crisp and everything. And um, it just shows just how desperately underutilized he is. And the rest of them are obviously all awesome. I thought the table spot was fantastic because uh, I think Roman Reigns had just been hit with some kind of really big move, so I didn't expect him to come back in. And he was on the other side of the barrier, and then he just suddenly appeared like a big dog out of nowhere. And just took Rowan down, and that spot was awesome. I didn't notice that table thing though on Rowan and his knee. Did you say it was a knee? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't notice that. So hopefully he's okay. 
there. The closing sequence was awesome as well. I didn't really mind who won this match, but this was just it's just awesome. So I'm going to give it uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. Just yeah, that, that film. Just uh, the whole, the whole the film. 90. Yeah, just the entire film. Whatever version you want. If you want it to be the 1930s version, go for it. Go nuts. But just that concept. And uh, Daniel Bryan turned face, though. I really expected him to turn on these on on Roman and just reveal that it was all just a big ploy. But apparently it's we're getting me, face Roman. Bryan again. It was me. <laughs> it was all me. along, Roman. <laughs> Roman was like, yeah, no, it was really obvious. <laughs> It's like, yeah, we all figured that out. And then you convinced yeah. me that it wasn't you, and now it is you, and I don't know what to believe. I did like the way that scared that Roman kind of um, he tentatively hugged it out with Brian, like almost. I don't know if he did that as just randomly or whether he was kind of playing into the fact he thought everyone thought Brian was going to turn. But it felt like that hug, it was a tentative hug. Or maybe Roman's just not a hugger. He was like, come on, dude, you're not wearing any, you're just wearing briefs and boots. Aw, poor, poor uh, Roman Reigns' kids. He's not a hugger. Whoa. Um, Jesus. He made that a lot darker than it needed to be. Yeah, he really did. <laughs> um, shout out to uh, Eric Rowan, though. He had like a, a pre-match promo before this, um, and uh, I thought it came off really natural. Um, I thought that he, uh, he's he is very well-spoken, and I know it's sort of a little like funny to say that you know that he is well spoken but he it is interesting that he's finally getting the mic time when he is this good on the microphone and it's refreshing to see that they're trying to give some of these guys like a, an actual push when they're getting pushed mm-hmm. yeah rowan is um he's got a lot out of this run like a hell of a lot and he kind of he feels like he belongs like in this thing like you could put him up against roman reigns now and it's not just like, well, she's going to give the win to Roman, aren't they? It kind of feels like Rowan, they've built him up so well. I kind of, I'm happy with the fact that he's the main eventer. Whereas he was like kind of the fourth guy in the Wyatt family because everyone loves Luke Carter. Obviously, Bray Wyatt is Bray Wyatt. Braun Strowman is a couple of Australians. kind of like, well, why are they why are they still sort of trying with Rowan? But I feel like his promos and his work in the ring, he's like, I'm quite happy with him being a consistent part of like the upper echelons of the car on whatever brand he ends up on. Yeah, this this little feud with, uh, with Roman has really done wonders for him. I, I think it was the right decision for Harper to take the pin um, and for Eric Rowan to not take the pin and for Roman Reigns to have done this thing in general, just because I think that it, it just, these matches have been really dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. And the way, the way Harper got pinned, I don't feel like he loses anything, even though he just came back because it was a Superman punch. It was a running knee. And then it was a spear. Like no one should be really, no one outside of maybe a Brock or a Braun, if you've got him a hundred percent heated up, should be kicking out of that sort of combination. So it doesn't feel like, although Harper's only just come back, it doesn't feel like he's lost anything. Yeah, and I think uh, Brian's selling was so, so good. He had that big, like, welt on the side of, like, by his his ribs on his back. Um, And uh, when he was walking up the ramp, he sort of, like, half collapsed 
while he was on the uh, the ramp, and it really just showed that the, these four guys went out there and like really just hammered each other for what was it seventeen minutes or so. Um, mm. But yeah, I, th- this was my match of the night. I mean, hands down, it was it was just really really fun. Uh, hey. next, go ahead. I was going to say, what brain would you give this match? Because I would give it, I'd probably give it the Awesome Mix Volume 1 from Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, oh, jeez. Uh, I'm going to give this, I don't know, I don't I don't really have anything at the moment. You go, Nathan. I did, it was King Kong versus Godzilla. Oh, uh, King, King Kong versus Godzilla. Whatever version of the film you want to watch. Okay, I'm going to give it uh, a really, like, a perfectly tempered bowl of French onion soup. Like, it's not too hot. The cheese is melted nice. The bread just sort of you can slice right through it into the soup. Excellent. Top notch. And if you guys ever watch uh, Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. Yes. Yeah. All yeah. Love that show. Whenever, that's that's my one, is whenever he asks for a, for a French onion soup, that's always when you're like, you're in for a good episode because no one seems to make a fucking good one. Yeah, no one seems that's to know how to do it the right way. Yeah. That's when you know you're getting 100% shouty. <laughs> or when yeah. he gets when he gets like a ravioli or something like that one where he got uh, uh, like the lobster it. ravioli and he's fucking opening it and he's just like the fuck is this what is going on oh, yeah there, there, there are certain dishes that he orders that you, you can always tell straight away if it's store-bought or frozen or something like that and it's always you always know it's going to be good if he orders it because like oh good because you know he's going to just kind of tear it in him Oh, it's so good when you see the chef put something in the microwave and you're just like, yes, this is going to be a good episode. <laughs> that's that's like one of those things where you're just like, babe, babe, come on in. He, he, the guy put something in the fucking microwave. <laughs> She's like, oh, my God. What a fucking idiot. I'll be right there. <laughs> Gordon's going to fucking fuck him up. Shit, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, speaking of so good, uh, Randy Orton taking on Ali next. They go about 12 minutes. Um, this was set up earlier on the kickoff show um, in a backstage segment where uh, Randy, you know, pretty much uh, cut Ali off during a promo and and um, busted his balls a little bit for uh, being the one who took him out of uh, the Elimination Chamber match way back when uh, that ended up inadvertently causing Kofi Kingston to go on that historic and frankly pretty fucking boring WWF ti- uh, WWE title run um and uh yeah i mean nothing really to say about this match uh, other than it was good i enjoyed it uh these two should wrestle each other more ali should be on tv more and when randy orton is enthused by things um yay because it it works out better for everybody nathan did you share those uh those sentiments as well yeah, I thought this was a good match. Uh, I didn't really expect it to be as good as it was for whatever reason. I just expect to get bored Randy Orton. So just a lot of chin locks and stomps. But he he came to play, and Ali was certainly a good good dance partner. He took some hell of a beating in this match. Uh, he's obviously getting the Randy Orton backdrop onto the announce table. He got flung out the ring when he was facing the wrong way on top of the turnbuckle at one point. He ended up with that big giant bruise thing on his kind of the bottom of his ribs that they zoomed in on really close. Like 
you can you, I can draw his nipple from memory. That camera angle was so close. Well, let's be and... fair. You can draw his nipple from memory because you know you just can draw it from memory. Not just yeah, because they. <laughs> I need to explain myself. <laughs> hey, it's 2019, man. No shaming. I'm not shaming you. He used to be a cop. I like a man in uniform. Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. Nathan, why yes. is this drawing? Why is there a drawing of Steph Ali's nipples on your on your fridge? Wow. I, my question to you is, how do you know they're his? I think it's a oh, fair well, guess. He knows a nipple from a mile away. Okay, he can, <laughs> he can pick out a nipple in a lineup. Yeah, Scott McCloud, nipple detective. <laughs> Scott McCloud, nipple sniper. <laughs> New on NBC. <laughs> this fall. Still, still sounds better than Shasta McNasty. Yeah, this match was really... Was, Really good. Orton was motivated. We got to see his greatest hits. The crowd loves Randy Orton. All he has to do is walk up to the ropes and look like he's about to start doing his RKO. Kind of pump up, smack in the mat thing. And everyone seems to get up for him. So uh, that streaming thing obviously hasn't affected him. I mean, everyone forgot about that really quick, didn't they? It's been like two days. No one brings it up anymore. But the RK- I think this match best remember for the RKO counter. Where Ali just did a fucking handstand. <laughs> I thought it was really cool. Really inventive. Uh, Randy Orton got the win when uh, Ali went for the roll for the ropes into the X Factor. But Orton, Arca, out of nowhere. And Ali's selling was brilliant. He was selling after the thing. He looked, I was genuinely concerned for him. At one point, I was like, shit, he's actually hurt because he just looks like in such agony. But a good win for Randy Orton. He probably needed it. He'd been losing quite a lot recently. And if you had to give it a rating? Probably just some kind of, just one of the American wars in the Middle East. (laughs) One of them. (laughs) Just one of them. Yeah, well, it was a former Marine against an ethnic. Oh, we are... Oh my, Scott! Scott, get us out of here, man. Get us, get, 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 bring us to greener pastures, and let's let's turn away from potential WMDs and whatnot, and get get, get over to the good stuff. What, what, what did you think of this match? So just as soon as he said that, I thought, oh, this has been, this has been a fun run, but you know. <laughs> Welcome to the last ever episode of Rogue Opinions. For those looking forward to that second part of the uh, entrance bracket, sorry. Yeah. If you're wondering why we've got that explicit tag next to us on iTunes now, it was my fault. Oh, now. It's, I'm sorry, was it ever not there? No, we don't have one. <laughs> I was really fucking surprised. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you need to direct all of your tweets over to, like, at Apple Help or whatever it is and ask them why they don't have somebody checking in on this. Also, Ben underscore EBRT and tell him, tell him that he should add a an explicit tag to our podcast. <laughs> this match, I think, I don't know if it's because I'm, I've been kind of bored the last couple months of Orton because of the two matches at SummerSlam and Clash of Champions with Kofi being thoroughly underwhelming in my opinion. But just like the first part of the match where he was beating the hell Ali, doing his usual like beat down, and that was a sick looking bruise that Ali had on his, his midsection. 
and like it was good at first, but then it just felt like the that beatdown part just went on for a while, and then it went on, and then Ali would get come back, then get cut off, and like it was like, okay, can we do something different now? Uh, but I have to say, I would be lying if I didn't pop for Ali doing the handstand out of the RKO, and I really thought he was he was actually going to pick up the win, but obviously it didn't in that RKO. Like it's always good that they can find new ways to hit RKOs from out of nowhere, and like you talk about people who it's really hard to explain why they're over, but they're just they're just so over. It's weird how Warren can go through all this period of being so bored and people are like hating them. Then you go to arenas and they're like this arena where just at one point there was a very loudly chant RKO. Like, what exactly does he have to do to get booed now? And Jordan, like, do people just? It's just hard to explain how he gets so over. Uh, but I think as far as a rating goes. Uh, sticking with my current theme, I would give it uh, The Killer's Last Album from my Eurostore goal, Wonderful, Wonderful. And uh, it had a couple of bangers on it, but it wasn't really the standard of, that you were expecting. Okay. So, so specific. So so very, very specific. <laughs> I, w- I waited ages for a new Killer album, and the, the singles were promising, but the, whole, the album as a whole. Mind you, The Man on that album is a tune and a half. Why Becky Lynch didn't come out to that song at WrestleMania, I do not know. Ooh, hot takes. Well, the man really coming touched. out to the man. Come on. I really, really really touched the nerve here. I kind of want to pull on this killer's thread that you've just handed us. Like, what is it? The, how long did you have to wait for that album? Well, their last album, I think, was in 2012. But then they released another in between. I had two original songs, but the most part was a greatest hits thing. And then Brandon Flowers buggered off in another solo album, and then they came back with this. So it was at least three, four years, maybe even five. We were waiting for a new album. Like it was all original, and not like great sets with two original tracks, like the twenty thirteen one was. So really, look forward to the Killers album tournament coming up soon. <laughs> it was only like five or six. Count, count me out, Jimmy. What did you make of? Oh uh, yeah, no. Like I said, I thought it was really good. Uh, I thought it was entertaining. The uh, the counter out of the RKO is not something that you see in WWE. Um, having been around like indie wrestlers and indie wrestling and stuff, I, I see this kind of counter out of a cutter a lot. Um, but it was cool to see it on WWE TV. Um, the crowd definitely didn't expect it. So, you know, I mean, really, really good. Um, it was like a like a nice medium, like a good medium rare steak, you know. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not bad. It's not excellent, but it's it is still very very good. You know, serviceable, little bit, little bit better than serviceable. You know, solid I meal. That's steak. steak for dinner today. Nice, <laughs> very nice. Feeling pretty good right now. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Um, the uh, next match up is. The tag team title, women's tag team title match, uh, uh, Kabuki Warriors, Asuka and Kairi Sane, up against Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. This match goes about ten and a half minutes, and after a hard-fought battle, the new women's tag team champions of the WWE are the Kabuki Warriors. Finally, 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 Asuka and Kairi Sane will have something to do while they're not on television. <laughs> they can sit around and 
polish up the titles, make them look really, really good. Um, but the way that they the way that they ended up winning here was uh, really interesting. Asuka apparently uh, uses the green mist now. Uh, she spit it into the face of was it Nikki? Yeah, yeah. Uh, spit it into the face of Nikki, and then uh, kicked her in the face. And bada bing, bada boom, new tag team champions. Um, Scott, tell me what you thought of the uh, women's uh, tag team title match here. To be honest, out of all the matches that were added very like last minute to the show, I think this may have been the one I liked most because, like you said, the Kubica Warriors have done nothing since really being put together. They teased a few Diconics, which never really materialised, and like they were you can not you noticed how heelish they were acting throughout the match, which I was starting to enjoy. And I was really wanted to see where it went. Uh, it makes more sense for Asuka to be a heel, but first I was like. Should Kairosin be a, a heel, but really it would give her more than just being a pirate because on the kickoff, uh, Alexa just basically summed up Kairosin and going, well, she just walks around dressed as a pirate. So I think like some people just need more to their character than that. So it's nice that she has something more. And yeah, I think it was weird that the mist came out of nowhere. Like, is this just a tradition handed down to Japanese wrestlers? Because I know, pretty sure Asuka has fought Tajirian matches in Japan. Did, did you somehow win the right long ago to the to the mist and somehow is waiting for the right moment to use it? Yeah, I just I, I thought it was very strange that uh, all of a sudden Oscar decided to rev- like like bring out this tactic. I mean, I, I don't recall her ever using it even in NXT. But so I'm interested to see what happens if Paige comes back because she seemed very happy on Twitter that they won. But I'd be interested to see what happens when Paige comes back because. I think if you're gonna go full heel, I think you should either have Paige turn heel with them, or just have them like very safely kick Paige out. Because obviously, you don't want to have a full on beatdown on Paige because of her her a list of injuries and she's had surgery again recently. So, like, you don't want to, like you don't have her taking too many bumps. I'm imagining it's some kind of like because they can't physically kick her out, they just sit her down and have like a really formal like HR meeting. I'm going to say, we just think moving forward, the Kabuki Warriors, we don't really need you anymore. So we're going to give you some severance. And then she spits mist in her face. Look, Steve, it's not you. It's not you. It's us. We just we just can't. We're not really. We can't commit to a manager right now. Oh, my God. If they knock on her door and it's like the scene from Love, actually, where they've just got all those cue cards just explaining why they're letting her go. And like they just sit her down and they're like, all right, so we're going to need your key card and uh, your parking pass. And, um, you know, just uh, here's a box for your things. Uh, <laughs> and you're going to we're going to give you like half an hour. You know, you're going to have a little bit of time, um, but we are going to have to ask you to leave as soon as possible. If they do that on Friday night, Smackdown live on Fox, I'm going to be furious. We we can probably break that news right here that's not gonna happen on on fox, fox isn't gonna play that shit especially uh, because it's like i mean it's all fox cameramen and stuff like this is more they they are doing definitely different things with with smackdown and it's very interesting over there um yeah i don't i don't know they i i just have no faith in the kabuki warriors doing anything with the belts they're never on tv what's gonna change about that at this point, I was really hoping Tajiri would come out. 
I don't think they're going to do. They're going to replace with TGD. That's mark my words. Oh, that'd be so good. I'd love that. Uh, this match was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pretty surprised. Uh, Alexa Bliss is still just insanely over. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of weird. I didn't expect the Kabuki Warriors to win because you say we never see them do anything. Like ever. But uh, I guess it's cool. It's probably they're going to have better. We're going to have better matches. The Kabuki Warriors are involved. Uh, that smash-up theme that they've got is just—it's just vile. It's who horrendous. cut that? Who cut that together? Like it's just awful. It's just—it's the reason the CFOs got fired. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, if they did that, that would have been the straw. That—that that would have been it. I was going to suggest they wanted CFOs to make something, but then they left unexpectedly, and some intern who's never used video editing before had to like rush that together and this is the result this is what we shout out because <laughs> it's literally like it's literally like 30 seconds of one or like 10 seconds of one 12 seconds of the other and back to the other one for six or so seconds and it's just like all over the map it's all over the map yeah uh, i mean this was, it was just this match was fine and it had a weird ending that's probably yes we would rate it we will have to see we'll have to see how um how this ends up shaking out for sure um we'll have, I, I say, in terms of ratings what do you guys give this probably you know everyone's playing that game where you get to play as a goose at the moment no have you guys seen that oh it's this video game where it's like three hours long you just play as a goose and you just got to steal things from people I'd probably give it watching someone else play that on Twitch. Okay. Alright, that's um, a weird rating, but okay. It was a weird match. A woman spat green liquid at another woman. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to know about your internet history, Nathan. We're wanting to know about the match. No, you can pay nine ninety nine to watch it. On the WWE Network. Um, I would give this uh, just... One really long uh, California roll that fell apart. What's a California roll? Uh, it's like I uh, got the imitation crab meat and uh, I think avocado. Imitation crab meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, it's sort of sushi. But it's imit. Hang on, how's it imitation? Is it just not crab? Yeah, I don't think it's crab. I don't. I have no idea what it is. I, it might be some other lesser fish. You're something. not meant to eat. The plastic food that kids play with. <laughs> You're not my real dad. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> I think Daddy? You, I think... <laughs> yeah, I'm finally back with those cigarettes. Is this what Rogue Opinions was all about? Just so these guys could be finally reunited. <laughs> finally, it's it's all revealed on the last ever episode of Rogue Opinions. <laughs> This is where Jerry Springer cuts in. He's been here the whole time. <laughs> um, yeah, so imitation crab meat or crab sticks, as they are called in some in some circles. Um, uh, imitation crab meat or seafood sticks are a type of seafood made of starch and finely pulverized white fish that has been shaped and cured to resemble the leg meat of a snow crab or Japanese spider crab. It is a product that uses fish meat to imitate shellfish meat, just in case you are allergic to shellfish. Oh, God. 
the more you. Uh, yeah, I've seen these in the shop before, but I've never eaten them. Yeah, I only eat it when it's like in a California roll. Um, but yeah, it's that's my rating. Uh, hang, hang on, just just to cut so we don't get in trouble. You're rating the match with two Japanese women in imitation Japanese crab. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm calling it. Uh, I'm rating it a sushi roll that fell apart. So you could still kind of eat it, but you got to break a fork out, and it's, you know, it's not exactly what you were looking for. You got to take some of that like soy sauce and spray it out of your mouth onto the, uh, the sushi. Spray it out of your mouth. What? I don't fucking know, dude. I'm just, I'm trying here. Scott, is this racist? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> okay, just in case, disclaimer. Uh, Jimmy's opinions don't reflect that of Rake opinions. In case that was racist. And if it was racist, uh, go ahead and send all of your complaints over to our complaint department at Ben underscore EB. <laughs> and, and make sure you tell him in no unspecific terms that you think that he and his comments on this podcast are racist. I really need to get him to log into his Twitter because uh, he doesn't have a phone at the moment because he broke it. So he's not been on Twitter for like a month. Oh, wow. He's going to have quite I really wonder messages. if he's going to have any messages for people. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's going to message you. Nathan, why are all these people calling me a racist? I don't know. Something about imitation crab meat and some Japanese women. And he's going to go. Oh yeah, sounds right. Okay, whatever. I really regret not going first on the ratings because <laughs> then now we've gone down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Go Scott. My rating is I'm sticking. I'm just going to stick with this album-related theme. I've got myself in here because I like to stick to the common theme, and I've got I've stuck myself in here. So I'm going to give it Ivory Veil's album from this year, Trauma. Because much like the Kubrick Wars, they just disappeared for a while. And then much like how the Kubrick Wars disappeared and then came back and as heels and won the title, these guys disappeared for quite a while. And then after the last album, and then came out with this album, it's got some absolute bangers on it. Just smacks you right, you right in the face, much like getting missed in the face. In a good way. It all it all always comes back to getting spit in the face. Um, <laughs> doesn't everything? Yeah, I mean, just doesn't it? Doesn't it? Um, so next up, uh, it was teased that the Viking Raiders were going to team with a mystery opponent to take on California. Oh Those guys, the OC, um, and uh, their mystery partner was revealed to be that of the monster among men, Mr. Braun Strowman. Uh, this match goes about eight minutes and 15 seconds. Um, they end up defeating the OC by disqualification. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't really remember a lot of this match. Uh, it didn't really leave an impression on me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm a, I'm just sort of fine with it. Uh, it was a match. Whatever. Uh, Scott, what do you think? Hey, like you said, I don't, I don't really remember a bunch of it as match either, partly because I was having some network issues. And to be fair, I wasn't, it was not a match I was interested in enough to be annoyed about. But the fact that my network was having issues, because, like, I know it was 
like we should expect too much from a surprise opponent on a match that was added so last minute. But like Braun Strowman was so underwhelming as a reveal. Just like look, because he's big and he also has a beard, like and this does not make this match look any more interesting. And then AJ just got punched and knocked the fuck out just so Braun can build this thing with Tyson Fury that I don't care about either. Yeah, just a whole lot of eh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I don't really remember much about this match either. I just remember there was obviously there was all the rumours, there was all the speculation. It's like, oh, John Morrison's coming back to the WWE. And so everyone kind of, I think I saw a lot of people that were convinced themselves he must be the mystery partner. Like, it's in the same week, the mystery partner. And then when Braun's music hit, like, I really like Braun. But all I was there was like, why, why did they question mark him? Like, it's not surprising to see Braun Strowman on a pay-per-view. Uh, but in hindsight, given like the Tyson Fury stuff and how much traction that got, because over here in the UK on Twitter, the day after, like, it was on SmackDown, wasn't it? So on Saturday, like that was trending throughout the all day was Tyson Fury and everyone was picking up on it and talking about him getting involved in WWE so it picked up some traction so it's not surprising that they would carry it on uh, so I understand that but I just don't get why you would question mark the fact that it's Braun Strowman uh, at all and I, <laughs> I I can't tell you from memory a single spot from this match <laughs> it sounds bad because I did watch it all I remember is the punch and I think there was some stuff on the outside, but that's about it. But I think the only thing worth remembering was the punch. That was really the only noteworthy spot because that came right at the end. And yeah. it was to do the whole Tyson Fury thing. Easily, easily the best part of this match was uh, AJ selling getting knocked out as they were carrying him up the ramp. And he like... He's like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And he like lifts the title up above his head and like falls back almost, and Luke Gallows has to catch him. All I remember is it kind of just made me think, oh, God. Because I re- remember when Big Show first started using the knockout punch. And uh, I just got, oh, God, Braun Strowman's just become Big Show. Right? And I like the Big Show, but he just, he, he was never the top guy at any point uh like the the very tip he was the world champion but he was never perceived to be the top guy and i was just like oh great we've just got another big show and everyone kind of wants more from Braun Strowman. but is he just a guy that's going to be really big and have to go up against celebrities now because we only just came off him doing the thing to saturday night live people now he's facing off against a boxer much like big show did when he faced Floyd Mayweather at WrestleMania. And we're kind of entering that point where it's like, yeah, Braun Strowman's never going to be the guy we all wanted him to be, is he? That, that, that ship came and went, like, a while ago, I think, though. Like, he's been in how many world and universal title matches and is yet to really do anything with them? I mean, he's had the tag belt a few times, but he hasn't really done much of anything in the way of uh, titles or anything like that. So, you know, I mean, if he's got to be just the big the big guy, you know, he's the big guy, you know, that'll be it. Yeah, he's not even as big as the big show. 
Like he's at the same height as Baron Corbin. Uh, that silence, by the way, which I'm going to leave in, is just sad reflection. Yeah, that's that's really all that was. I was trying to think of something, and my brain just sort of went to "Hello, darkness, my old my friend." friend. <laughs> I mean, if he is becoming big, show, I look forward to the angle where Braun Strowman's at the coffin of somebody, and Braun Strowman finally gets dragged away <laughs> in a car, and Braun Strowman has to dive on top of it. Oh, good. yeah, we need some. We need a plate. Oh shit! The fashion police. Who, like, who will br- who will be the big boss man in that? Fashion police. Cor- I could take Corbin because everybody hates him anyway. Oh my god! If Corbin steals Strowman's dead father's casket and has to like, oh my god! That's it. That's it. I'm in. I'm totally in. If he has to drive a limo, in, or like a hearse in the fucking cape and the crown, I'm fucking. I'm totally in. That'd be amazing. It'd be even better if, because he's a king, it's horse and carriage. <laughs> and, and Braun Strowman is just jogging alongside it. And he flips the whole <laughs> carriage by himself and fist fights the horses until they stop. <laughs> oh, God. If Braun Strowman live on Fox punches a horse to death. <laughs> I mean, there's your ratings right there. Yeah, pretty much. Like I'd watch that. <laughs> that's how you crest. That's how you crest over that four million mark, baby. That's how you get those numbers up. Oh my god! If they do a training video where it's Tyson Fury really professionally getting ready for this match, and then it flashes to Braun Strowman in the middle of a field punching a horse to death. <laughs> no, he's in like a freezer with like a freshly punched to death horse, and he has it strung up, and he's just beating the carcass in a freezer. And he's getting trained like Rocky, and he's he's drinking like like a whole like blender filled with just raw egg, and just uh, like a I need a Braun Strowman training montage for this fight against Tyson Fury, and he, he's just <laughs> jogging up to the top of a snowy hill, and he's like Fury. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, there's a dead horse in every scene. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> so instead of like, instead of like a Rocky punching like frozen like dead animals in a meat locker, he's just punching real ones. <laughs> just hitting a cow. He's just going. Yen. He's just and going to the petting zoo, just giving animals these hands. Just boom. <laughs> Those kids cry in the background. Daddy, why is he attacking the alligator? Because he's got to get ready for WrestleMania. <laughs> they have to go selfish. back to Saudi Arabia and solve terrorism, son. That's what they have to do. <laughs> much like how much like how Rocky stopped the fall of communism in the 80s by beating Ivan Drago. Uh, not oh. saying that Tyson Fury is is a ra- uh, like a terrorist, but uh, I believe that if uh, Braun Strowman can beat him in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, ISIS will crumble to its knees. And oh. the world will be a safe place. Okay, just post match. Braun just gets on the microphone and says, goes, and if I can change, you can change. <laughs> I don't know why I was so mad, Braun. People always just called me Fury. Uh, I'm always going to look and try and be peaceful now. And be Tyson peaceful. And then someone right. says, you're, you're not even Saudi Arabian, Tyson. You're Irish. 
And then he's just like, I know, but we had to come down here and like box for freedom. I don't know why he's Keanu Reeves in this version of the movie in my head, but uh, okay, what part of fucking Ireland is that? <laughs> it's so, Santa Monica, so Santa Monica. That's how hard Braun hit him. He hit him yeah. so hard he became Keanu Reeves. And, and they end up solving terrorism. And I if the WWE could convince Keanu Reeves to have a match. Oh, that, who would he wrestle? Matt Riddle. Oh my god. This internet goes, bro. He's going, whoa. It'll be one versus bro. The promos would be so good. He'd be like, bro. He'd be like, whoa. You've got some sick apps. You too. Whoa. Thanks, man. Great hair. Yeah. And like, you got great hair. I know. Oh my god! Instead of instead of a wrestling match, they just sit down and get high together in the arena for forty five minutes. And pet dogs, just, just talk. <laughs> like, it'd be so good. I think it's fair to say we've sufficiently covered the six man tag match. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> and next up, uh, Chad Gable, aka Shorty G, yo taking on King Baron Corbin in a singles match. Goes about uh, 12 and a half-ish, almost 13 minutes. Um, and uh, it was okay. It was perfectly serviceable. Uh, Chad Gable gets the win after a small package, a roll-up. I don't know. He's short. That's the deal. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Scott, what did you think of Chad Gable versus King Corbin? Again. Well, following the six-man tag and then this and the match we're going to get to in a second this was just a lull period where the crowd was dead and like so was my enthusiasm for this and like I just waited like I just want to see the fiend now uh, it was even even the, not even the 24-7 shenanigans that happened in between could save like could just like perk me up back up again because they gave the belt to fucking Tamina oh, that when when Tamina like did you see how like like confused she looked when she had the title belt in her hand she's like oh, this is a new sensation for me i've <laughs> never i've never had this before i think she she forgot she existed as well i put it down to that because when she got the belt and she had that look on her face i was like yeah she doesn't remember who she is either she doesn't um, remember what she's doing here she doesn't that remember was. that she's a wrestler I mean, the best one was when she grabbed Funaki and used him as a human shield because I even tweeted this. I even tweeted, like, come on, Funaki, this is your time. Because I wanted Funaki to win the title so he could be 24 7 champion and still SmackDown's number one announcer. Just at the same time. But sadly, alas, it was not to be. But as for the, this match, like, I think Gable kind of had to win the way Corbin was going on at him about being short. Because otherwise, if he lost, he would kind of proven him right in kayfabe that he wasn't good enough. I did love Michael Cole going off on Craig Hamilton for announcing Gable when he was a shorty Gable and yelling that, <laughs> that Hamilton should be fired, <laughs> which was pretty funny. But like we've, I think, just seen very similar to the matches they had before. So in terms of rating, I'm going to give it. I don't remember the name of the album, but do you remember a few years back when? You, everybody was angry at you too because their latest album just got randomly uploaded. If you had an iPhone or something like that, so this match it was it was there. It's there even though you didn't ask for it, and you didn't realize it was there. 
Excellent. Let's let that um, if I had to give this a rating myself, I would probably just, it would be something along the similar lines of you're at that diner and you ordered French fries, but they're out of French fries. So they bring you onion rings and you're like, I didn't ask for onion rings. And they were like, well, this is what we got. So here, that's what that, that's what this match made me think of. Nathan, what did it make you think of? Uh, it, I think this was the point where I tweeted out from the rogue opinions account asking what everyone's favorite movie was <laughs> because I was just pretty bored at this point, but quick question around the podcast table uh jimmy how tall are you uh i think five eight five nine something like that i'm not very tall scott how tall are you well i said around five eleven just on six foot yeah you're taller than chad gable i'm five ten because i just looked up how tall he is and he's five eight and i was like is that really that short uh, i guess when you're next to six foot eight baron corbin anyone short but uh i think gable's fantastic i think chad gable's awesome and he really does and i don't know whether that's what's kind of holding him back is the fact that he does remind everyone so much of kurt angle and i don't know whether that's holding him back a bit because we've only just lost kurt angle like he's um he's not dead so he's just retired but, <laughs> but, have you seen him since the Fiend got a hold of him? Yeah, he was on SmackDown this week. What was he? in the crowd? Yeah, he was in the crowd. Well, they're doing that bit where they were just putting people in the crowd and then like showing them, and be like, "Whoa, it's Kurt Angle! Whoa, it's Goldberg!" I and, uh, that. So he's still alive, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what you guys thought. So is that holding him back because he does a lot of Kurt Angle stuff? And Kurt Angle literally retired at WrestleMania this year. Do you think he needs to differentiate himself a little bit more from Kurt? I don't think... I wouldn't actually think that was a hindrance. I think, given how fondly remembered, most people remember Kurt Angle and they talk about how naturally he adapted to wrestling. I would have thought any comparison to Kurt would be a good thing. But, like, he's not, it's not as if he's completely ripping him off. But, like, if there's, if there's some similarities there... I would have thought that would have worked in his favour. Yeah, I guess so. But he's also he's doing the ankle lock, like he does the big. I know everyone does a moonsault, but when everyone's saying like, "Oh, he's so much like Kurt Angle," and then you're also doing a moonsault. But to be and... fair, like Angle didn't really invent the ankle lock. It was more like, cause, like yeah, it was Ken Shamrock. Was Ken Shamrock, before. wasn't it? Yeah. But um, Jimmy, what do you think? Or am I trying to completely off base? Uh, no, I mean, I, I can't disagree with you there. Like, I, I think that, uh, with, I, the thing is they just never do anything with him. You know, like every time you get excited about like anything that he could do or, or something, you just, they don't do anything with him, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. That, you, you are right. Like, I don't know where this, he'll probably just lose to Baron Corbin on Raw in a couple of hours. Um, but I mean, this match was pretty good. You say it was serviceable. It did just kind of feel like a raw match. Uh, I think Corbin needed the win after the verbal and physical beatdown he got on SmackDown uh, from The Rock and Becky Lynch. But otherwise, I just, I just don't know. It was, it was fun, but forgettable. So I'll give it Battle Los Angeles. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Seems kind of harsh. 
it's fun but forgettable. Forgettable. Can't say that word. Jeez. Is is forgettful? Is forgettful like wonderful but forgettable at the same time? It's like wonderfully forgettable. It's forgettable. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. And is am I the only one that think is Chad Gable weird to look at? Uh, go on. Because he's got short hair. He's pretty much as wide as he is tall. And he's just very, very tanned. So he kind of looks like he might be made out of plastic. Huh. Now that you've mentioned it, I'll he's also, he's, look he's at him He's very chisel-jawed as well. So he just looks like he's... He just looks like there's a human, an actual real human is inside him controlling his body. I mean, any any real person that's like jammed in there is going to have to be pretty cramped in there. Unless it's <laughs> Hornswoggle. Do you think it's Hornswoggle controlling uh, Chad? Uh, is that because Chad Gable's really short? Yeah, yeah. And so like the only thing that uh... could fit in him is Hornswoggle. Hornswoggle probably weighs more than him. He's a big boy these days. Yeah, he's a big boy. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean high. I mean, I mean, kind of width. No, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's he's just a he's a round dude. Brings yeah, a whole new so. meaning to the term short round. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Battle Los Angeles because a lot of people have seen it, but no one remembers it. Yeah, that's pretty much that. Um. Next up, our uh, just about last match of the show, Charlotte Flair taking on Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, Charlotte Flair is going to get the win and become a 10-time women's champion in the WWE. Um, I mean, is it more obvious to anyone else that they're going to just have her, like, eclipse her dad's runs so that she can, you know, I don't know, feel better about herself and... I don't know. <laughs> Feel better about all the collagen she's putting in her in her lips, and I don't fucking know. The, the, whatever. Like Bailey lost the title and cried about it. Yay. Whatever. Charlotte's champion again. Cool. Scott. What? Like did, how how did, how did this how did this come across to you? Is it the right decision to put the belt back on Charlotte, or what did you think? I mean, Charlotte's always gonna find the way to get the belt back. And I, I do have a feeling at some point she'll probably at least tie her dad's record, if not beat it. Although, if you hear, I believe Rick's, like, it's way more than 16, if you argue, if you hear Rick talk about it. But that's another story for another time. But I did think, like, I would assume that Bailey and Sasha would win their titles, and then at some point they'd become tie champs as well. And maybe they'd hold, like, all the belts in the women's division. And it shows what I know because the exact opposite happened. And they're like left with nothing. Like my only hope for the whole Bailey thing at the end is that maybe this is where like she's kinda she's a heel but she still thinks she's a good guy. But then I'm hoping this is where she kinda starts to slowly descend into full fledged like heel Bailey, which would be interesting and it was just a sake of like her just throwing a tantrum like Christian used to back in the day when he was a heel. Uh, like I know, like Charlotte needs to do a thing backstage while in this rain with like Peyton Royce and tell Peyton Royce that she reached ten and that, Pey- that Peyton wouldn't know anything about a perfect ten. 
<laughs> Go through that shade. <laughs> yeah, it's a little thing. It's, it's just paying off the WWE winter. Oh, man. It's well, did you see when uh, Bailey was coming out, Charlotte just kept going like, Dad, Dad. <laughs> and I was just like, huh, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> I'm sure it, it has literally nothing to do with that, but uh, it was it was funny to see. Yeah, but, but like, they just kept walking each other's leg, so, but then the fact that you had to use their, use their legs to apply your finisher, which ended up winning the match. Kind of makes the fact that Bailey's working over her leg kind of pointless, and it just kind of seemed like kind of a great hits of their matches they've had before. So I'm just gonna give it like one of those like compilation albums, like that one of those like now that's why I call music compilation albums. It's just a bunch <laughs> of like greatest hits and nothing new. <laughs> now that's what I call Yacht Rock Volume One. <laughs> that's a real thing. I saw it at work the other day. I just and it and it made me so happy. Oh, that sounds like the best album of all time. Oh, it is. Better be. But yeah, this match was okay. It was forget of forget. I still can't say that word. Forgetful. But they the ten time championship reigns. I just find funny because they're obviously including the Divas title in that, aren't they? Yes. Or am I miscounting? So. I mean, that means she's like, oh, I'm a 10-time champion. You're a 10-time champion in, like, three and a half years, Charlotte. That's not a good thing. Yeah. Like, you keep fucking losing it, woman. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not a fantastic... It's like, um, unfortunately, as much as I love him, it's the same with Edge. Where it's like, oh, he's a 11 or 30, whatever he is, time world champion. He's like, yeah, but in the space of about five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Before my coffee got cold... Uh, Edge had won the championship like six times, and it was like, okay, buddy. Yeah, like I, I don't really get why it's a good thing, and I wish someone would bring it up in a storyline because I think it would be a good story for someone to bring up and be like, yeah, you're a ten-time champion, but you're a ten-time champion in like f- three years. <laughs> like, it's such a poor record, Charlotte. But um, I think. I'm glad Bailey is kind of going to the dark side because people are obviously turning on her as a face. I still wish she would start stabbing her inflatable men as she made her way to the ring, but I'm willing to, I'm willing to forgive that. I, it was kind of a, it, it just it was in the dead spot, and I think the crowd were just so hyped to see the fiend at this point, and it's just a shame that both Sasha and Bailey had to tap out as well because it just kind of cemented where they are in the pecking order of the four horsewomen but hopefully there's more to come i think the crying thing was probably done on purpose and that'll be a story this week uh, but it'll be interesting to see where these ladies all end up when the draft happens but i probably would have rather bailey kept the title as well uh, i mean it was okay i'll give it Rocky free. Oof. It was okay. It was okay, I guess. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Um, I'm gonna give uh, Charlotte Flair versus Bailey a cream cheese bagel, but with like 
a, a, like a subpar amount of cream cheese and it's not exactly toasted to where you want it to. So it's like it'll do because you're in a rush and you don't have time to redo it, but it'll do. Is it like you slept through your alarm, but only by like 10 minutes? So you just got a really rush in the morning and you didn't have time to fully toast your bagel. You also didn't have a lot of cream cheese left in the tub. So it's just kind of like half-assed. Essentially, yeah. Uh, I've done that before. So that oh, was yeah. very... <laughs> For sure. I, I, live, I live on that street. <laughs> it's a good street to be on. Yes. My house in the middle of my street. Our house. Uh, anyway. Uh, good. <laughs> good God. Should, should, we, should we do this? We've made it. Um, so as, uh, as you, as you guys had said that, you know, you were just looking forward to, uh, seeing the fiend and I was too, but what we didn't know was just how wrong we, f- we were feeling at the time because it started out great, but it, uh, I don't know. It is WWE universal championship match, hell in a cell, Seth Rollins defending against the fiend Bray Wyatt. And it goes 17 and a half minutes and ends in a no contest. Second time in two years that Hell in a Cell has ended by referee stoppage. No contest. So Seth Rollins retains. The fans chant bullshit. The fans chant AEW. The fans the fans are chanting refund. Um, I mean, I have plenty of problems with this. I think it started out fine. It started out really good. Um, but then... It just sort of jumped right off of a cliff. Um, Scott, why don't you uh, why don't you take us through your thoughts uh, on the uh, f- the the final match of the evening? Like I was very looking forward to this match. Like the entrance, this is the right thing about having Seth come out first, so then we get the full fiend entrance. And then when the fiend comes in, the door shuts behind him, so now Seth is locked in there with this with the fiend to to try to make him like see, look so scared of the last few weeks. And like the whole look in the video package, I was so hyped for this. And the first part of the match was good, regardless of this that weird red lighting that they used for this match. I mean, I wasn't like totally off putting, but it just seemed random that they'd start doing it now. Like especially how they didn't do it for a SummerSlam match. So like, it's one thing. Like, is this a is this the occasional thing? Is this going to be what he does from now on? That he always wrestles in this weird red light because it just seemed odd. But you could carefully see Seth was getting desperate and all the like no selling that Bray was doing, like kinda of like how Taker and Kane used to when they first like debuted. Like he was like no selling and also the seriousness of Dio Madden when Bray took out that mallet from the funhouse and it was we've seen what that did to rambling rabbits. Uh, <laughs> Dio Madden, never change. Never change. But but then as was going on, like you said, like Seth was getting more offense in, and the crowd were booing with every stomp. They were just booing even louder. I was so convinced, like, he's going to pop up at some point. He's going to get him in the middle local, and that's going to be it. And then they just did this whole thing where he, basically Seth tried to murder Bray Wyatt. Like, he did that chair shot. He was slamming the toolbox on him, and then, yeah, the referee randomly trying to talk him out of, of basically, again, talking out of murdering a man right in the middle of the ring and live on the network. And then he does it, and then you, you end on a no contest. And it's, it's one of those things where, like, like fair enough, you don't want to give the fiend the title because a lot of people were thinking, like, 
does the Fiend really need the title? Like, well, fair enough, you don't want to give the Fiend the belt, but, like, then the easiest thing to do in that situation is don't put him in a feud for the title, especially not in a Hell in a Cell match. Because if you put him in a regular, like, match on any other pay-per-view and did some sort of no-contest, like, DQ finish, I don't think people would be as annoyed as they are for the fact that it's Hell in a Cell where people are, where it's maybe the most, one of the most violent matches that he has and people are never the same when they walk out and it ends up in a no-contest because someone got a bit too violent and tried to murder the other guy, like... It's just one of those things, but if you think I'm annoyed about it and other people online are annoyed about it, guys, I have uh, something I'd like to read for you, if that's okay. Oh, please do. Yeah, please. So, around, I think it was around quarter past three, twenty past three UK time, this show went off air. Right about then. And then, at 3.24 UK time, I receive a Facebook message from my podcast co-host Paul Brown from Scott and Paul's Ramblin' Podcast who is a big fan of Bray Wyatt has been ever since Bray debuted on the main roster back in 2013 and I get a message that says the following nuclear that's all I'm saying dude fucking nuclear with a with a <laughs> emoji that's all red faced with ex- expletives coming out of it <laughs> Yeah, and it goes, and he just goes on to basically say "fuck, fuck WWE," and that he wants, he's just going to watch AEW, and saying that he feels sorry for most wrestlers involved with WWE because well, they try, and then they just because they basically they try new yeah. shit, and then it usually gets fucked up. And I did try and calm him down, and I said sleep on it, but I doubt it's going to do anything good. Like he's, he's too far gone. Um. Yeah. I mean. Uh... You see, WWE did this to themselves here. They they don't have really anybody to blame but themselves when it comes to this and the people's like response to it. Um, they set everyone up for something that they thought they were going to get. They thought it was a slam dunk. Uh, I thought it was a slam dunk. And then two years in a row, we get uh, no finish in the Hell in a Cell match. And I think th- what you said, Scott, is like a- a- the exact point. Like, why even put him in the fucking feud? Like, why even put him in a feud? Why? Because it's October and you needed another Hell in a Cell match? Like, put somebody else in the cell. Like, it didn't need to be The Fiend. Like, it looked cool. It was pretty cool for a little while. But then the longer this match dragged on and the longer that Bray laid in the center of that ring and just sort of let Seth go find weapons and stuff, it was just... It was almost like a slow burn into something you could totally tell was going to happen. I think this is a case of like Heyman is behind Bray. I've heard a lot about that, so it's kind of that's why he's in this position. But the thing, even though like whoever in creative is behind you, if Vince isn't fully convinced that you should have the title, I don't think it's clear that Vince doesn't think Bray and this guy should probably have the title yet. Then it's one of the things if he doesn't think so, then you're well, you're fucked, and. Allegedly, Vince. I heard rumors that Vince was laughing at first about the reaction, but now he's taking it seriously. Like, like do with that what you will. I don't know if that's serious or not. But like, if crowd were trying to dub and restart the match, and just the way, like, at least he, he popped up before they put him on that stretcher. Because if he got stretchered out, that was it. He was done. Uh, can I jump in at this point? And, oh, uh, please do. Yeah. I want to throw out what I. This is. This is my theory, and I think we'll find we'll 
we'll find out on Friday during the draft. I reckon, well, more it may well be more out of hope than expectation. I reckon they've booked this match. They've built the entire show, the poster, everything around this match. And then Fox have said they want Bray Wyatt. And I think that's why Bray Wyatt was on Fox. Bray Wyatt was on Fox local stations and other stations of Fox all week doing the weather, doing comedy spots, doing the weather, doing interview segments, live on air, in character. I reckon they have turned around and said, hey, we want Bray. And they've paid all this money. So USA Network have much they still have say obviously because they're broadcasting two of WWE shows but I reckon Fox have said they want Bray and they were in such a position where they've built the entire show around this Hell in a Cell match Bray v Seth they couldn't take the Hell in a Cell away from them so they were booked into a corner now I think there was better ways they could have done it 100% but Hopefully I'm right because it explains this bullshit ending. Now I'm not saying the ending was good. It was it was horseshit. But I'm saying if that's the case and on Friday we see Bray Wyatt drafted to SmackDown, it doesn't make sense, but you kinda go Okay, it was shit, but they couldn't take the title match away because they built the entire fucking show around it. Uh, they couldn't take the Hell in a Cell stipulation away because they've had all these Firefly Funhouses that end in See You in Hell. I hope and I expect that we are going to see Bray going to SmackDown on Friday and it will kind of alleviate a little bit of the bad taste that's in everyone's mouth. Uh, I mean, one can only hope. I, mean, I hope that you're right as well, Nathan. And I can definitely see that being the reason why. But like, I, I, I'm of the belief that with the right booking, nobody's like totally like done, and nobody's beyond saving. I don't think like, the fiend's done either. I don't yeah. think the fiend's done. I think Seth Rollins totally. is done as a face. I think it's Seth like, Rollins. If you don't turn Seth, you have to turn Seth Rollins heel. I, yeah. I, he can't be a face after this. He's he's been. He's in a worst. He's in that Roman Reigns after he beat the Undertaker at Mania position. Because like, like I said, with three booking, anybody can be a top guy. Like, like he's Slater for two months was the most popular guy in the company for yeah. for a while. Because that's that's how good booking can do for you. But like one of the things like Seth definitely, I, I just can't get behind him at the moment. He's just so to quote Brooklyn Nine Nine, Seth, you're boring. You're just plain boring. And I think like Seth hasn't helped himself because Seth Rollins on Twitter a month or so ago was such he was meant to be the literal face as in face of the company and the good guy of the company and he was just tweeting such a load of horse shit that it was it made it hard to get behind him already and I don't think this match I think I think this match was actually pretty good up mm-hmm. until the ending I the red I've watched it twice and the first time like when it was like half two quarter to three in the morning watching it live the red lighting was a bit off putting but that was probably because of my tired eyes at that point and then re-watching it again after work today it was easier to look at because I was less tired um, and I thought it was pretty good like, and I'm, I'm really to, to 
give some positives. I'm really the theme doesn't wrestle in any way like anyone else. Like Bray, he doesn't even wrestle like Bray Wyatt. Old Bray Wyatt wrestled. Like he's found that unique style. He's completely different to everyone else. Uh, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sold on the total non-selling because I think that's going to get problematic down the line, where mm. you have to find a move that will pin him because no one can go, no one can be undefeated forever, or it just gets boring. And that's the problem with streaks. And that's the problem with things like that is they have to end. And it's how you do that in a good way, which is, I don't know if there's a good way to end a great streak. But um, I mean, um, if, Bray go, uh, if Bray goes to Fox on Friday, I don't like it, but I get it. If he doesn't, I'll probably be a lot more pissed off than I was when it happened. So basically, Friday, if Bray shows up, is a case of lesser of two evils and that he probably still should have won, but you can see why he didn't. Whereas the worst option is he just stays on Raw. Yeah. On my, on my lunch break, I was trying to think of... Because uh, I'd already said, and I think I even tweeted... i uh, not tweeted. I think he even sent it to the group that I think The Fiend has to go to SmackDown now. But um, on my, my lunch break, think of a way that they could have done it and the only thing if i'm right and fox have said hey we want bray we're not giving you a choice bray's coming to us and um the only fantasy booking idea i had was doing a weird angle where none of the referees would referee the match so it had to be unsanctioned which meant it couldn't be for the title and have bray win and that's the only fantasy idea i came up with that was any good Actually, makes some sense because when you think, about it, I think there have been some times, there have been some instances where a match was for a table but was unsanctioned. But when you think about it, the rules of something not being sanctioned by definition, then it can't be for a title. Yeah, that's the only idea I had that made any sense. Like because, like you could have Fiend wins the title and then has to give it back because he's going to SmackDown. But then I was thinking, well, who's going to walk up to The Fiend and say, hey, mate, we need that belt back. Mm-hmm. You're off to Fox. <laughs> like, um, like the idea of, like, in kayfabe, the idea of The Fiend just handing back the title. I mean, unless you have just Bray Wyatt hand, like, uh, what's the character called? Fuck. Tom Hanks is playing him in a, fil- in a film. Mr. Coming. Rogers. Mr. Rogers, that's it. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Rogers, Bray Wyatt, given the title back, but then someone has to find the fun house, and it's just kind of like it's all just a bit weird. But um, that was all I came up with. Uh, Jimmy, what do you reckon? Uh, well, I I don't remember if I mentioned this to you guys in the group chat or not, but uh, I was told by a friend of mine that like he had read something about like the fu- the fun house like takes place inside Bray's severed head as the lantern mm-hmm, and stuff. That. And I just think that they should just leave. like if they're gonna do it, they should do it. Like just go and do the thing with him. If you got to put him in a fucking title match, have him win or don't have him in the thing at all. I just I don't know. I think I think yeah. what you guys were saying were it was completely valid. That it, the 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 beginning of this match was fine. The beginning of this match it was actually really fun and entertaining. And then the longer it went on, it was like this creeping sense of like dread. That like oh this 
this isn't going to go the way we thought it was going to go at all. Yeah, and to to try and bring um to try and bring the light-hearted nature of this this podcast back. I will give it uh, a foot long subway <laughs> because it looks real good. <laughs> it's just too long. Like no one needs to eat a foot long sandwich. And as you guess, you just you feel like you have to eat it because you paid for it, and you just it's just so it's just too much of it. And then I don't know, and then it gets cooled off at the end before it's finished, and no one wins. <laughs> um, I'm I'm going to uh, give this uh, the newest Tool album. Um, it was really dark, really long, and really kind of sucked. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you've just completely stolen Scott's thunder. I told and... him off air. It's okay. Okay, and I also yeah. completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, was he... really long as well. Yeah, it's way too long. Too fucking long. Yeah, Jimmy did offer like this ring, and I said no. I've already got one. So I've got a uh, the 2015 album "Human" by Three Days Grace. As they're waiting for this because, by context, this was the first album they released after they changed lead singer. So, and it was good. There were some good things about it, but for some people, it it was something they loved, and then it became different from how they expected. So, they a lot of people hated it. Just they decided just to hate on it, much like let's we people enjoyed parts of this match, and then because Bray didn't win the title, it's automatically a bad thing. And it's ruined apparently. And I think I think that if this ends up going somewhere, if this ends up being part of a larger story or something, then cool. Then yeah. I will I will feel pretty I will feel kind of bad about as negatively as I feel about this match as I do now. But right now, as just based on what they gave us last night, this was just awful. It was awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just to, to, I don't know if I really want to go on this rant or not. I'm not going to make it a rant. I'm just going to make it a point. I think the people that are overreacting to the ending and this match to such a degree uh, of just kind of exaggerating their overreaction to it, just kind of just chill, guys. There's been people like saying, like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm only going to watch... Like, to all the people that just start chanting AEW, don't turn AEW into the CM Punk chant. Like, because the CM Punk chant was meaningless. Like, it was just like a chant to show, oh, I don't like what I'm looking at. So I'm just going to chant for this thing. Like, don't start turning AEW into that chant, because AEW is better than that. Like, Mm -hmm. unless everybody, unless you are chanting it, and also watching AEW on a Wednesday night in whatever manner you can, don't chant it because don't turn it into that because AEW should be more than that. Whether you see it as competition or an alternative wrestling product, that's up to you. But don't don't make it that because that's just... It's just sad because the CM Punk thing, like, we were three or four years past him leaving and people were still just chanting that at every bad point. 
in anything they disagreed with. And it, it was utterly meaningless because CM Punk himself has said he wasn't coming back. Right? He wasn't doing anything at the time. So, uh, like, chant what you want. If you want to chant it, I just think, like, don't don't turn AEW into that. It, it deserve, they deserve, Those guys there deserve better than just being a, I didn't like the ending to this match, so I'm going to chant their name. Yeah, I think building off of what you're saying there, like it, it, like AEW definitely deserves, at the very least, more than being used as like you ever get into an argument with a girlfriend, like a lo- or like a longtime friend, and like they just they know a few things about you, so like in the argument they use those things against you, and it's like. Yeah. I don't think that's what AEW should be reduced to, where it's just like, oh, WWE, if you don't try harder, I'm going to go over there. And it's like, yeah. well, hold on. Don't threaten us or them with AEW. AEW is its own thing. Leave them out of yeah. it. The other thing is, let's, let's look at this as what it is, is like either there's two possibilities. Either it's what I suggested and Fox are going to get Bray Wyatt, so they can't put a universal title on him. They couldn't take the Hell in a Cell away from him. They couldn't take the Fiend out of the match because they built the whole show around him. I completely get that. I don't think there is a way they could have taken the Hell in a Cell away from them if it came as a late call. Or they just made a bad call. Like, they just had an idea that sounded good on paper. And it's easy now that we've seen it to say, how did that sound like a good idea? It's easy for us to say it in hindsight because we've watched it, but they thought it was a good idea. It was a shit idea. But let's not start kind of going so insanely over the top. Like I was saying off air that throughout the day I've become less angry because everyone is so furious. I'm finding their fury hilarious. And there's been people that have been like, obviously there's the cancel thing. I'm going to cancel my network. Or, like, I'm going to just go, and loads of people tweeting, I'm only going to watch AEW now. And you're like, oh, great. So, good stuff. Like, on the flip side, also, if AEW, ever, to put it the other way, if AEW ever do a shit idea, I don't want people then to start chanting NXT. It's like, so it works both ways. But um, they, it was a shit idea. It was shit. It was a bad way to end a show. It's not the worst thing wrestling's ever done. And the no, cell yeah, was yeah. the cell was red last year, so stop fucking bringing it up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like somehow you've you've wrapped this up in such a neat tiny little bow. Um, but yeah, I like it's the first misstep in what has been pretty flawless since May. You know what I mean? So like, well, in terms of the fiend. Yeah, and that's what I mean, the fiend, yeah. 100%. Well, let's not forget the f- the focal point was also the fiend at the end. He was um my little brother who's a huge uh, wrestling fan in himself. He he likes NXT and NXT UK more, but he really likes the fiend. So he came home from school today and then he watched it match and he texted me his thoughts. And he said something quite he texted me saying uh Along the lines of he liked it because he doesn't think The Fiend cared about the title. He just wanted to hurt Seth. So he Uh let Seth do that stuff to him because it was Seth losing his way. And then he struck. 
when Seth thought he had beaten him down and that the Fiend never wanted the title. And I think if he's right, which he's an idiot because he's a child, and um, maybe he's right. Maybe it just adds more layers to the character. Maybe he never wanted the title. Makes more sense than anything we've said on this podcast today. <laughs> pretty much. Like, it was a pretty in-depth. <laughs> it was pretty in-depth. See, my phone's not next to me at the moment. Otherwise, I'd read the text. But, um, but yeah, maybe The Fiend just never wanted the title. And he just wanted Seth to lose his way. Go nuts. And does anyone else find it interesting that Seth's used a pedigree now? Two pay-per-view matches in a row? Very certainly. Like, this pedigree is terrible. Yeah, Bray didn't take that well. I don't. I know they. He can't. Whoever's giving it can't hook the arms because it's it's incredibly dangerous. But both Seth and Triple H let go of the arms so early, like it's just like taking a skull crushing finale. Essentially, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, to a certain extent. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I, I don't know. I forgot if we mentioned this yet or not. But uh, at the after the match. Fiend gets up, jams the mandible claw into the mouth, blood capsule, blood everywhere, you know, and we go off the air listening to the laughs of the Fiend and the boos of the crowd demanding refunds and whatnot. Um, That's the other thing, so just so to cut you off. You can't demand any refunds because you didn't like one part of the show. Fuck off. You don't do that. You don't do that to cinema. Cause you didn't like one scene in a film. You don't get all the way to the end of like Joker and yeah. go like, ah, that made me feel uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. I want my money back. It's like Here's you, you watch the whole movie. You don't buy a vanilla Coke, which is a sh- don't care what anyone says is a shit Coke. You don't <laughs> drink disagree. a whole can. Shut up, Scott. <laughs> you don't drink a whole can of it and then go bring the empty can back and go. I want a refund and like that. That's not how life works. Stop chanting for refunds. You're not going to get them. That's not how watching a show works. Sometimes shows just aren't that good, which is why I give this Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Which cut? The Snyder <laughs> cut. They're both Snyder cuts. The extended one is longer and, in my opinion, worse. I would never watch the extended one because <laughs> I, 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 there's a certain degree of it, but I don't have that much self-hatred. Okay. Poor time, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Podcasting to do. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that the truth? Scott, you've seen, well, the, um, you seen the people that did the hashtag release the Snyder Cut? The billboards? Oh, no, I haven't seen I mean... Oh, you know, see that recently for the uh, for for Justice, Justice League. League. Yeah, they, some people bought a billboard. I can't remember where, somewhere in America. It just says hashtag release the Snyder Cut. And I'm just selling up like, who... Who wants that? Why? <laughs> I mean, people want that? <laughs> out of sheer curiosity, I would probably watch it. Like I, I watched the uh, extended cut of uh, Suicide Squad recently, oh, and good God, it's what's wrong with you? the first like twenty minutes with all the extra footage is kind of cool and stuff, and it's like okay, all right, whatever, and then it becomes the same movie, and you're like, uh. Oh, Somehow that's worse than you eating bread out of fridge. <laughs> Why does it always come back to the to the it fridge bread with you? This. Because it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh man. All right. Well, 
I get that's uh, that was Hell in a Cell 2019, yes. ladies and gentlemen. Scott hasn't given his rating. Oh, I, th- I thought you gave. My bad. Go ahead, Scott. No, no I cut him off to say more horseshit. Yeah, you're very rude. <laughs> and he's been so patient and so nice and just letting us ramble on for ten minutes. I heard you shit all over Vanilla Coke. There's only so much I can take here, Nathan. <laughs> Oh, but, but I gave my rating for the main event, but as an overall show, uh, I'm going to wrap up with one more album, and it's WWE Originals from 2003, <laughs> <laughs> where, where there were a couple of good matches, where much like on WWE Originals, where, surprise, surprise, the, oh, the few good songs on it were by people who had actual musical backgrounds, whereas the rest is just seems to be just people shouting and just like... Like being completely out of their depth, where well on this show you had a couple of good matches, but the rest like forgettable. Probably in a few weeks. Um, yeah, yeah, much. yeah. That's 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 goddamn like right on. <laughs> WWE originals. You should, uh, you should check it out. Rikishi has a song, a soulful love song called "Put a Little Ass on It." <laughs> While Kurt Angle yells about how he doesn't suck. So. Oh. Oh my good god. I've heard, I've He's a sexy thing. Kurt. He'll make your ankle hurt. Oh I love that god. so so much. That segment, yeah. that segment as well. Um and did you give a rating for the whole show, Nathan? Yeah, Batman V Superman, Dawn of Justice. Right, 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 right. Um Yeah, I think I'm just gonna go with uh I don't know for most of this uh, I've been giving my ratings from you know meals that you would get at a diner. Um at this point, um I'm gonna give the whole show uh, that weird, awkward part at the end of a meal at a diner when you're going through the men- the you're going through the, uh, the receipt at your bill. And you're just like, I didn't order that. I didn't order that. Oh, fuck. I did order that. This is shit. <laughs> so that's me in my mix. Like, What's he talking about? <laughs> and yeah. And then you realize that you ate way too much. And not all of it was great. So that is Hell in a Cell 2019. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about certain things on this show, for sure. Um, okay, great. Good talk, yeah. guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that silence was me and Scott being like, I've already forgotten what happened on this show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't wasn't uh, putting their best foot forward, but they also did have a quite a busy week this week uh, with all of their stuff going up against AEW and premiering on Fox, and this sort of just got lost in the shuffle, unfortunately. Um, Scott, why don't you go ahead and give us your plugs? Okay, you can find me on Twitter at ScottMcLeod1986. Uh, you can follow my other podcast, Scott and Paul's Relevant Podcast, at SBRambling on Twitter and tune into our, our you should check out the episode we put up a couple of days ago because you can hear me rant for 10 minutes about the result and ending up Smackdown on Fox with the Brock Lesnar thing but that rant's given me nothing compared to what rant Paul probably has prepared for our next episode this weekend when he when he gets to talk about what happened with The Fiend because I'm sure he's, he's had a few days but I'm sure he'll not be he'll still be very angry about it and uh, I look forward to trying to have to calm him down. I'll just like look, Fraser, just try and distract them. Like when you're, like when a child kicks off, he's trying to try and distract them. That sounded really condescending. It sounded, sounded nicer in my head. 
<laughs> just holding up a season box set of it. Just like, oh, look, 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 look. Niles, he's cheeky. He's cheeky. <laughs> uh, also, clearly, just to mention, uh, check out on Facebook Eat Sleep Super H Retreat because they're, they're looking for questions. Because in a, a couple of weeks' time, ESSR is going to be doing their second anniversary show, which I'm going to be a part of. And they're going to do a quiz at the same mark, the second anniversary, and they're looking for people to submit questions. So, like, if you if you feel like submitting a question, just look them up on Facebook. All right. A lot, lot going on there, Scott. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a busy, busy boy. <laughs> busy <laughs> Which explains why I'm failing uni so badly that I'm, I've got so many other podcasts on the go like, oh yeah, I had to go to uni today, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go oh, to that. I have to stop watching wrestling for a few minutes and go to go to class. God damn it. Uh, Nathan, what do you got going on, buddy? Uh, not a lot, really. All right, cool. So, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, obviously, with Rogue Opinions, check back through the archives. Uh, I have lent my voice to a new comedy podcast that's coming out uh, called Night Drive, but I don't have a date for when that's coming out yet, but I will be part of that, so I'll be sure to let you guys know when that's uh, coming out and when I can give details of that as well as to what it's 100% going to be, but that'll be coming soon. Otherwise, just check back through the Rogue Opinions archives, all sorts going on. You've got Kayfabe Court there as well. Of course, sorry, and loads of stuff going on as well. But back to you, Jimmy. Oh, and you can find uh, me at, at Nathan Greenaway on Twitter. There it is. Uh, as Nathan said, rogue underscore opinion uh, for us on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Mr. Riot. That's M R R I zero T. See me tweet every once in a while. It's neat. Um, trying new things. Um, yeah, and then, uh, of course, on October 30th, Uncanny Attractions, The Nightmare on Wyckoff Avenue will be live and alive on Fight TV. My voice and, I believe, my face will be uh, all over the place on uh, that show. I'll be doing commentary with my buddy Scotty Cerriti. Uh MV Young will be in action. Effie will be in action. Um, so the, the entire match card is listed uh, if you go to... Uh, uh, on Twitter, and you look up at Uncanny Attract. That's Uncanny Attract. Uh, whole match card is up. Also, go and follow uh, Pro Wrestling Magic at Wrestling Magic on Twitter. Next show is uh, October 30th, as Scott and Nathan will tell you. I've shown them a couple of the things that we're doing over there that haven't come out yet, but uh, once they are out, I will direct you guys over there. It is fun. Um, yeah, I uh, got a lot going on myself. So, also, if you're in the New York, New Jersey area, uh, October 20th, uh, for Pete's sake, a uh, cancer benefit for our buddy uh, Pete, who ran, who runs the um, Knights of Columbus Hall in Ritual Park, New Jersey, uh, uh, suddenly passed away due, after a fight with cancer. Uh, we're throwing a benefit for his family and the Knights of Columbus Hall itself. Uh, just a little bit of a cancer benefit. Tickets are only $10. Uh, we got a fun card uh, coming up. Pinky Sanchez will be in action. Um, Meadowlands Monster, Teddy Hart. Uh, the whole usual list of hooligans, um, Nick Gage, it's a violence and suffering joint. So be there in uh, Ritual Park, New Jersey, if you get a chance. And I'm rambling. So uh, that's going to be it for us here on Rogue Opinions. Thank you very much. And good night. Bye. Bye.
Shout shit for